Welcome to WGLA 24-7 midterm election coverage. Yes, we're two weeks and exactly about 12 hours away from that supposedly historic day. We've assembled a historic panel. Experts, data, states, statewide offices, local offices. We're going to cover it all tonight on this special edition of Your Voice, Your Future with your host, Armstrong Williams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our headquarters. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Star Parker, Shelby Emmett, Elroy Saylor, Aaron Manego, and our very own Devin Smith, just returning from Tokyo, Japan. She's been over in Asia for two weeks. Glad to have her on the, in the talkback seat out of WBFL Fox 45 in Baltimore. Let's get right to it. Um, what is it that voters vote for? Do they vote for celebrities, the senators? Is it they vote for uh, the issues? What is it in this midterm election, and start that I'm going to start with you, that will drive voters to the polls? I think this election is unique to other elections where you might see people vote on specific issues, whether it's the religious right, uh, voting on abortion and other social issues, and or people voting on the economy uh, in the general population. This one is so unique because I think most people understand that we are a very, very divided country, and therefore they're going to vote their worldview, whether we're going to be biblical and free, whether we're going to be secular and status. So I think most voters this time understand what's at stake. So we, we put together a package uh, um, from our affiliate in South Carolina. We went around and uh, talked to an expert about what we can expect in this midterm election and why it's so important. Let's go to the package. What we're seeing is that right now Republicans have control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And so what you're seeing from the American public is that they want to make sure there's a check on those things. So I think it's very likely that Democrats will take back over the House because people want to make sure that the president and the Republican Party uh, don't have, you know, full reign to do whatever they want. They want to make sure there's some checks and balances put in place. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes in the midterm, not as many people show up to vote, but what I think you're seeing is that um, Democrats are really motivated to go vote now. They, they see what's happening on the news every day and they're really motivated to show up. And then I think you're also seeing a, a swath of people who might be more independent or even Republican-leaning um, who have just said, you know, I've really had enough of this and are uh, going to be voting for Democrats this cycle. And that doesn't mean that they will forever, but it means that in this instance, in this case today, they just feel like, you know, there's really too much power in the hands of Republicans and um, they want to make sure there's some checks on that. You know, one of the things that um, President Trump always says is, you know, he's the greatest, he's always winning and things like that. And so this will be one of the first times where, you know, he sees that he can't control everything. And if Democrats win the House, you know, that certainly will be a strike against him going into re-election. And so I think the two things we need to watch are, one, how does that impact policy, how does that impact what actually passes out of Congress over the next two years, but also how does President Trump react? Um, I think there's a real question of how he'll react personally if Democrats take back the House. Um, you know, he's not a man who is used to not getting his way, and so what happens when he has to make compromises and actually talk with folks will be interesting to see that play out. You know, not only is there a chance that Democrats will, will take back the House, but I think the other interesting part to watch is voter turnout. Again, typically in, in midterm elections, it, it goes down a lot, um, and I think that we're going to see some of the highest turnout that we've ever seen because people are just motivated. Trump supporters are motivated to go and support his agenda. 
but Democrats and progressives are really motivated to try and uh, sort of right the ship as they see. Um, and so I think, you know, this year we're actually going to see some of the highest turnout that we've ever seen. And that's good for democracy. The, you know, the more people that are voting, that's a positive thing. Now, he makes a very interesting point. It doesn't matter what the issues are. Kavanaugh seems like 10 months ago because so much changes. And Trump will have an impact depending on what he's saying, what he's energizing, wherever he may commit some faux pas, it could have an impact on an election that day. One thing we know that for, for sure, there are six Senate seats that are considered toss-ups today. Assume Heidi Kemp lost, it loses her seat, but she's not in the six toss-ups, by the way. Heller keeps his Nevada seat. Aaron Manego just returned from Nevada. Though it will be tight, McCaskill keeps her seat in Missouri. Nelson wins, but Tesla loses. Ted Cruz pulls it out comfortably by a plus seven. Manchin wins easily due to his work on Medicaid and OPRs. And Blackburn pulls it out in Tennessee. You probably could see Nelson losing, but the Arizona seat is a true toss-up. I don't think she wins, but no matter what, this will come down to the news of the week by the president. So it could all change the week of the election or the weekend before the election or the day of the election because his involvement will easily drive two to 300,000 voters across the congressional district. Even Nancy Pelosi said this in herself. She said in some of these close districts, 100,000 votes can make the difference between the victory and loss. So we got to keep watching across the country. Watch California. If that's a bad night for the Republicans, then they could easily lose the House. Now, some people are saying that they could lose as much as many as 38 seats in the House. Aaron, what do your research and your um, canvas in the country tell us? Well, I, I'll, I'll start off by saying this. I, I don't think that the Republicans are going to lose the House, despite what conventional wisdom might, might say. If we look at where things stand right now, if we would take a, a snapshot today, you would have maybe 205 Dems, 199 for Republicans, and about 31 toss-ups. That's where things stand right now. But when you contrast that against uh, states where uh, Republicans uh, have governors, when you contrast that against states where there are uh, a statewide races, I think the Republicans are going to pull those out. When you also look at voter enthusiasm, if you took a snapshot uh, back in July, uh, there was the sense of this uh, red wave coming across. I mean, there's a blue wave coming across. You don't get that right now. When you look at the uh, uh, NPR uh, poll that came out uh, just a week ago, that has been closed. That gap has been closed to about 2%. This is going to come down to get out to vote at the, uh, at the end of the day. And I think the Republican enthusiasm is what's covering. I, um, when, when you look at these, uh, these House races, I, I, I look at uh, uh, Dana Rohrabacher in California. I think he'll pull that out. I look at Pete Sessions in Texas against uh, Colin Allred. I think Pete Sessions will, will pull that out. When you look at Carlos Carbello in uh, Florida, I think he's going to pull that out. It's going to be a tough race in, uh, in Virginia for Barbara Comstock, but I think Barbara is going to win that race. Uh, and look at uh, Pete Roskam uh, in uh, Illinois. I think Roskam is going to win that race. So, but but what, what you're saying absolutely goes against midterm election history. Yeah. It's rare that the party in power who controls the White House win the midterm election. Now, Devin, I know you've been out um, um, following Trump supporters, and obviously you feel there's going to be a heavy Trump turnout um, that, we, that was not foreseen three or four weeks ago. Do you think that can give the edge to what Aaron Monego just shared with us? 
Well, I think so. I think there were recent polls, uh, I think they came out yesterday or today, that were showing there is, to his point, a decline in the gap between the Democrats and the Republicans. And I think, I agree with you, Kavanaugh feels like it was ages and ages ago, but I think that is something, and the way that that uh, was handled is, is has really angered and encourage Republicans to get out and vote and not maybe take things for granted. I think we're a party that is sometimes a little passive and doesn't really fight as, as hard as we should. And I think the travesty that was the Kavanaugh hearing has given us potentially and hopefully what we need to um, keep things in our control. Well, listen, I'm not sold on the idea that the Republicans are going to win the House in the midterm election. I think it's safe to say that they will probably keep the Senate. Uh, I'm interested in your perspective, Shelby. I mean, Devin mentioned the Kavanaugh hearings. You've been looking into the Kavanaugh hearings um, in your capacity as a constitutional lawyer and whether or not it would have an impact, whether it would get women out to vote, or whether it would get some of these women out. So, and maybe they can separate Trump and Kavanaugh from these candidates that they're very familiar with in their districts and in their states. Well, I still think that all elections, all politics are local, right? So for a lot of races that have been following, unfortunately, a lot of Republicans are still trying to run on this national agenda instead of sticking to the issues that matter in their own states. I think Democrats are doing a better job of that overall. However, Trump is doing a fabulous job of using the national urge to force Republicans to come along with him. Um, I think Republicans in Congress have constantly been a joke and a disappointment, and no Republican voter is ever excited about going and voting nationally for a Republican because they never follow through. Trump has to drag them with them, right? Um, this is the same people that got excited because Mitch McConnell didn't just stand up for Kavanaugh, he just did his job, and people got excited about it. But I do think when it comes to this, instead of people looking at policy, they are, like Devin said, upset about how things are acting, but also how people are acting on the ground. As a First Amendment attorney, I'm seeing this all the time. People are harassing people. They're getting in people's faces. They're stopping political leaders. You've even seen Democrats push back on fellow Democrats because they'll be out to dinner and people are screaming at Mitch McConnell. So people are angry and they're frustrated. And they're not voting pro-Republican or pro-Democrat. They're angry at their neighbors and each other and all the infighting. So, That's what they're voting for. So, Elroy, tell us what make Demo make Democrats believe they have the momentum to take the House? What are the issues? What are the policies that Democrats have a stronghold on that gives them an advantage in this midterm election? Well, again, thanks for having me on the show this evening, Armstrong. You've got a great panel here tonight. Let's talk historically in terms of why Democrats probably feel that way. One, um, only three times in our nation history has the party that controls the White House not lost the White House. Two, President Obama lost 63 seats in his first term. So if I'm a Democrat, which I'm not, and if I'm just looking at those two historical facts, I'm feeling pretty good about what's going on with this wave, if you just look at the facts. However, if you peel back that fact and you understand where we are as a country right now, during the last few midterms or the last few elections, the elections have either been about the economy, because we've maybe had a spiraling economy, it's been about war, we've been on the cusp of war, or it's been on some major policy issue like Obamacare. If you think about where we are today, unemployment is low, at an all-time low. The Dow is at an all-time high. The world is relatively safe. There are some skirmishes here and there, but we're not talking about putting troops and boots on the ground right now, okay? 
There's no major piece of legislation like Obamacare that's galvanizing the whole country left or right. So this election going into the, over the, what you say, next two weeks and 12 days? Or 12, 12 hours. Two weeks and 12 hours? <laughs> this election now is going to be what I think will be probably a historical vision or heart election. People are going to walk into that voting booth and they're going to vote probably off the last thing they've seen either Trump mm -hmm. tweet or Nancy Pelosi say. They're going to walk into that voting booth. They're going to vote on base off of the last thing that candidate said, either they support or against. So this is going to be, in my opinion, what I would call a vision election. And I don't think we've ever seen this type of election because we're not voting on the economy. We're not voting on war. We're not voting on um, um, uh, some major piece of legislation. You're voting on a vision that you've seen visually within the last 48 hours. You know, what I don't want to do is go mm -hmm. over. I want to respect our time constraints. And because I only have about 30 seconds left, I'm going to go to a break. Come back because I want to get started on this conversation with Devin Moore. This is Armstrong Williams. You see it. Midterm elections battleground. The battleground starts here with our experts and with you. We'll be back. Midterm election battleground. No matter what you may think, um, I think many people in this country, when they got all worked up and believing that Donald Trump had no chance of winning almost two years ago, they're very cautious about what the media will tell them, who's winning, who has the edge. I think much credibility has been lost and people are not gonna believe what they believe until the results are in and they've been finalized. You know, I asked Elroy um, Starr the advantage that the Democrats have going into this midterm election, and as he mentioned, there are many advantages. What are the strengths that the president has that can also carry forth with other Republicans running? What is it, what is it that he can run on and stand firm? He can run on the economy. And what's happening now, and to Elroy's point about vision, because people have money in their pocket, I mean, even the, the high school dropout is making money right now. So they're comfortable enough to say, okay, what else matters to me? Do I want to slow this down? And I do agree uh, that we can look now at vision. What kind of America do I want? And the Democrats want one kind of America, and the Republicans want another kind. What is the America but that what the Democrats want? statism, secularism, uh, 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 more power in Washington and in, in the hands of, pol of, of, of politicians. We already know that. And, and what do the Republicans They want, want freedom. They want the market. They want Christianity. They want capitalism. They want a constitution. Oh, come on. That's You're not saying Democrats don't want Christianity. <laughs> now, come on, Scott. I'm saying, as, as, in, I'm saying as a national agenda for freedom to where the government doesn't get involved. But let me make a point about what he said in terms of vision. I, where I disagree a little bit, I'm not sure that people do not understand this moment and or that they're going to vote uh, local issues whatsoever because we would not have seen such a large turnout the first day that you can actually go out and vote. I mean, you're looking at states like Georgia where they had record numbers of people go out and vote already. That means they're not going to wait for that next tweet or that next ad. They have already resolved. So you have to say, why all across the country are people already resolved in determining which side they're, they're going to choose? And to the point of Christianity, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about a worldview, a worldview that says, leave me alone. Let me govern my own life. And that is not something that Democrats want other people to do. They want to control people's decisions. It's very, very clear that they do. And I think that many Americans understand that, including Republicans. That's why I agree with Aaron that we will keep the House. The Republicans will keep the House. You know, there's always this October surprise. Um, and the October surprise could be this caravan of 7,500 <laughs> illegals trying to cross the yeah. border. I mean, yeah. you can't look at that image and feel good about it. Even even the, the Dallas Morning News, the paper in, in Texas, who often criticizes the president, said the president makes an excellent point. We give you all this money, all this aid, and you can maintain and take care of your people, and they're flocking to the United States and other places? There's something wrong with this thing. organized thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to another country to Just organized. <laughs> Everyone's got nice Nike shoes on, and I've never seen so many well-bodied young men in my entire life. People don't care. They do not care. And everyone is looking at their own families. Like they said, I finally got a little bit of money in my pocket, and I got to think about the next thing. And nobody has sympathy for this anymore. People are mm -hmm. sick of it. There's too many kids in classrooms. We're spending too much money on everybody else. I don't care if you're a liberal or a Republican. Everyone agrees with Donald Trump when he says, why are we always helping their kids and never our own? People are sick of this. I, I do take a little slight different perspective. I do think when you're talking about millennials, I think when I say this is going to be a vision election, when those 5,000 to 6,000 people, should they show up, these are human beings, if they show up at our borders, I think the vision, if I'm a millennial, I'm 21, 22, 18, 19 years old, and depending on how the president responds through a tweet, and depending on how my governor or my member of Congress or my senator responds, that's how I'm probably going to size up how I'm going to vote in that election. If I'm a millennial, if I'm a suburban soccer mom, mm -hmm. I've got small kids, I'm driving back and forth to the grocery store, I've got a little bit of a different compassion as it relates to family and kids walking down the street, I'm going to vote a certain way. If I'm that Wall Street banker and I'm working on Wall Street and I'm thinking about cost and technicalities, I'm going to vote a certain way. So I do think when that caravan shows up, you will get that vision moment. And depending on how your elected official responds, that's the vision that you're going to see for America in terms of who we are as a people. I'm not trying to pass judgment on right or wrong, but I do, do believe that that will be a vision moment for many of voters if that caravan shows up and how our politicians respond. Devin, Devin, let me go to Devin. So Devin, what is it that we're not covering, that we're not paying attention to that can make a difference in who controls the House uh, in this upcoming election? Well, I think you've made a lot of good points. And one of the things that I wanted to go back to is, I, and, and Shelby kind of touched on, everyone's really kind of touched on it, is it, this to me is maybe a behavioral election. People are fed up with how other Americans are behaving more than how they're feeling about an issue, I think. I think you see what's happening in Portland, Oregon, where it's mob rule, and if you don't agree with me, I, I have the right, or I, somehow I, I have this God-given right where I can physically assault you. And that, and, and I think people are fed up with that Americans think that they can behave that way and treat other people that way. And I and try and prove me wrong, but I think it's very one-sided, that level of behavior. You don't see Republican House and Congress members calling for violence against Democratic citizens. You don't see the same level of violence being played out from the Republicans towards Democratic citizens in the same level, at least that I've seen. Um, and I watch CNN and I watch Fox just to try and get, a, you know, a, a variety of opinion. And I don't think there's the same level of, of animosity from right to left, and I think that's going to mobilize the right base. You know, Aaron, there's one thing that the Democratic base does want, and they're being very careful with it. If they win the House, they do want to impeach the president. They do want to continue the <laughs> Russian investigation. Could this backfire, or this may be an asset for them on November 6th? Well, I think it's going to backfire, and we can... The reason that is going to backfire is because you see President Trump's poll numbers the continuously ever. on the rise. Yes, when you look at where President Trump is right now, two years uh, into his first term, and when you look at where uh, former President Barack Obama was, same time, two years in his first term, President Trump is actually doing a lot better. And he's doing a lot better because, as Elroy pointed and alluded to, people are uh, happy with the economy. They're happy that they feel safe. They're happy with the way things are going. So as the old uh, political ads used to say, do you really want to shift horses midstream 
while you're going in the right direction. I think uh, you know there, there's been some back and forth about is the country going in, in the right direction. Well, when you when you look at it from uh, from where President Trump sits, you you can say I may not like the tree, but I sure love the fruit that it bears. Yes. And I think that's what most Americans are looking at. And I'm gonna tell you something: you have a lot of secret conservatives out there, yes. all right. And by that I mean the kind of people that saddle up next to you when you're in the airport or when you're walking somewhere, and they say, "Hey, I really like what Trump is doing." Yeah. Right. They don't want to say it outwardly because right. they, they don't want to get into these, these loud shouting matches right. with families and friends. But I think these people are out there and I think these people are going to turn the tide because they like the direction that but the country me, is in. Let me give you a twist. Let me give you a twist to that. They also whisper, God, I don't like this guy's character. God, I just don't. He's not presidential. Oh, my God, he's so petty. Oh, my God, he's as a temper. Why can't he just be presidential? I want a president that I can be proud of. When is this guy going to ever get it together? Armstrong. They say it. It's yeah. a factor. Yeah. You can't ignore it. Character still matters in this election. Well, I'm not well, sure because the polls don't bear it out. I don't think it does. The polls don't bear it out. The Democrats have tried to perpetuate this, that it does. Devin, go ahead, Devin. Character matters. And people do whisper this, okay? They find, in some instances, they're embarrassed by the president. This is what people say. Okay, Devin. Armstrong, Armstrong. Okay. The more important part, though, as he was saying, it's people are tired of feeling like they have to whisper yeah. that they yeah. like what's happening with the country. Yes, I agree. I don't like how he behaves all the time. But to feel like if I express any sort of joy about the unemployment rate, that I'm going to be ostracized by my fellow Americans, people are fed up with that and fed up with trying to feel like they have to be silent with their views. So I think, yes. People don't necessarily like his attitude, but they're tired of having uh, feeling like they have to be silenced with their views. So, I'm not even sure they don't like his attitude because when you think okay. about it, they do like his attitude. Yeah. When you think about it, I know when I showed up on the scene as a conservative, I used to hear a lot that you can say things I can't say. That's what they like about Trump. He's saying things that they can't say because they are proper, but they know these things need to be said. We are a very divided country, and he is making points that everybody knows need to be made but, but so that we can get this place back say, in order. Can't you say it where it's not so divisive? No. Isn't he not a moral leader? Doesn't he set no, the standard no, in the no. tone no. of the nation? When have we ever had a moral leader? Yeah. From, <laughs> take a, a stand from my friends on the left. Yeah. We were founded by slave owners yeah. and misogynists and cisgender whatever whatevers. So this idea that we're, no one's that voting we've for that. Been so nice. <laughs> we've never been this these morally superior people that just elected angels. This is what we were founded on. Jefferson said if we did, had angels we wouldn't need government, right? We didn't elect that. We elected someone to get it done. And this is why I said earlier, people are not going out there to vote for a Republican Congress. They're going out there because Donald Trump needs these people to step up and grow a pair. And if Donald Trump has to drag them with them, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're that's why they're voting for these so, people. So what impact would Trump's foreign policy have on this election? I think it's going to have some impact uh here, here in America. I, I like to say, you know, folks, when we start to understand uh, how foreign policy impacts our economy is where, again, the number one issue that if there's a mudslide in Argentina, the price of roses are going up on Mother's Day. And I think people are starting to understand that. They see that, that Trump was able to bring in a, a new NAFTA a, a program where they said it couldn't get done. Uh, Canada wasn't going to sit down with him. He would never be able to negotiate with Mexico. He proved that to be not true. 
Uh, they said, well, uh, the, the tariffs that he's putting on China, that wasn't going to work. Uh, President Trump holding strong on that. You see China starting to bend. They're, they're looking to come to the table now, make the type of concessions that Trump, when he, he started on, on that conversation, said that they would. So Israel, I, don't forget Israel. He moved the embassy. They said that you will never have peace in the Middle East. They will burn this down if you move that embassy. And none of it's true. Everything the man touches is actually working for and America. Like what you said earlier about millennials. This is the first time my generation hasn't had to worry about a president sending troops in in more war. He's actually said it. Now, there is one piece to this foreign hold, policy. One, hold that piece <laughs> to the foreign policy. Star Parker, Shelby Emmett. Elroy Saylor, Aaron Manego, and our very own Devin Smith. Uh, we'll be back much more to talk about because we're going to take a deep dive into the issues, the races, and also the, the local races. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is the Battleground Midterm Elections. I'm Armstrong Williams, your host, with our very distinguished panel. You often see them doing our regular show on weekends every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. we got to give a plug. In fact, this Saturday, we have the Colored Girls on. Donna Brazil and her crew all to talk about the color girls in politics. So join us this Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Now, back to our panel. Uh, take us to the statewide elections, okay. gubernatorial and the local elections. States are going to be exciting. That's where I cut my teeth back in 1990 with Governor John Lee. So I love to talk about this. So give me a few minutes. So let's talk about the, the country. Right now you have 33 Republicans, you have 16 Democrats, and one Independent. See that chart there? That's what we've got. 33 Republicans, 16 Democrats, and one Independent. That's the landscape that we're looking at, all right? When you talk about this landscape, the question is, we need to look at then is, what are the toss-ups? What are the lean states? What do we think we're going to win? When you look here, 12 governorships currently held by Republicans are considered toss-ups or worse. What we're saying is we've, we're holding about eight Republican seats right now as solid. We're looking at about five as likely we'll keep as Republican. We have one lean, but here's the fight. You go to the Democrats, three solid Democrats, two to one likely, two to two lean. The fight is gonna be right here in the middle, nine to two. Now let's digest that for a second for the panel here. You look at those nine toss-up states, Connecticut, Oregon, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Kansas, Mexico, Nevada, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. What are gonna be the issues that matter in those states? If you wanna talk first issues, you're gonna have tax cuts, trade deals, <coughs> immigration, and opioid. Now if you're in Wisconsin, opioid is gonna be a big issue. So again, vision depending on how the Democrats and the Republican congressional leaders and that senator responds on the president's <coughs> doing a major opioid initiative, I believe tomorrow at the White House, mm -hmm. their responses will determine how that voter in Wisconsin responds. However, if you're in Michigan, where uh, Senate candidate John James, and I'm going to get out a plug for uh, the candidate John James, he's a good fella, if he's running, you're going to be talking about trade. Michigan is an agriculture-based state. It's a Midwestern state. It's an industrial state. So you're going to want to talk about how trade is, is impact you. If you're in, um, if you're in Georgia, you're down south. Again, you're going to be talking agriculture issues there as well. If you go out to Nevada, your response is going to be how do they respond to the caravan because now you're dealing with immigration issues. Well, Georgia elect a woman as governor? I think yes. I mean, that's the same people ask. No. I'm not going to say she has a good chance. Your question is would they elect it? That's the same question people say would America elect the black well, man as no, president? No, no, no. She will be the first woman of Georgia. Obama was the first black man to become a president of the United States. So I think Americans are smart enough to get past race when they choose to. So yes, I think Americans will elect a black female just like I thought. Well, they elect the gov uh, African-American governor of Florida. I'm not saying she's going to win. Right. I'm just saying I think they could. She's not going to win. Well, she let's take a look that's the point. Yeah. You got Ben Jealous there in Maryland. There's no way Jealous is winning. He's not going to win. You got Stacey Abrams. No. 
Um, you got Andrew Gillum, mm -hmm. and you got your 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 man um, John, John James, James. in in Michigan. Right. Who has the best shot? Of All right, let's talk about this from the uh, maps perspective. Okay, tell us. Um, All right. You want to look at well, where where did Trump win? So if you go to Florida, Trump won Florida. You know nobody can see that map, but you. Oh, by you the can't way. see that map. No, of course. Hey, that's better. Zoom in, that's zoom better. in. That's better. That's better. You go to Florida here. Trump won Florida. We go to Georgia. Trump won Georgia. We go to Michigan. Trump won Michigan. So if you just take those three states and you start with where Trump won, and then you look at what the RNC is doing, the RNC has a staggering $26.2 million so far in this presidential election year. They're going to put boots on the ground and money on the ground. In the third quarter of loan, they raised $56.8 million and $269 million for the year. That's the most money that the RNC has ever had in the field operations. What so what's going to happen to the gubernatorial races? Are they going to maintain, gain, lose what? We should, we should gain. We should gain. We're putting 540 staffers on the ground across um, 28 states, Armstrong. Are they They've never done but that also, before. Are they governor, uh, vulnerable on the statewide races? Well, you got nine toss-ups. Nine toss-ups. We're dealing with right, nine right. toss-ups, right? Florida's, Florida's interesting, though, because Florida is a very, very diverse state. And when you look at the traditional uh, voters in a state like Georgia, where Trump won, uh, we can say that Abrams will not win. I and mean, we can be comfortable to say that she perhaps will lose, even though this could be historic. But when you look at Florida, the president won, but by a very thin margin, and they have a lot of different issues on the table. So there is a challenge in Florida, and depending on how the RNC plays that and how much money they put into that particular race, uh, we could see uh, Gillum's pull that out. What are yours? I, I think it's trending well. If, if you look at, uh, if this is, uh, uh, election is a referendum on Trump, then you have to understand that he won 10 of the 26 states that the Democrats have to defend. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the issues that are germane in those areas, you're talking about the economy is the number one issue. That's right. All of that is trending in favor of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. People are not going to vote against their money. They're just also, not. we have to pay attention to the state legislatures. So you have a lot of yeah. states that are controlled by one party, all Republican. You have some that are split. They're run by a Democrat but have Republican legislatures. And you have some that just have one house. So those play a lot. I think the states that have, you look at Maryland, for example, um, that governor is going to win there because Hogan's had to do a very good job of having to play in the center. But he's also a harsh critic of the president. Yeah, but he's distanced himself from the national agenda and has kept it very specific to That's Maryland. That's a good point. Devin, Me Too, women, harassment, women, girl power. <laughs> is that going to uh, um, render the president where he's going to lose some major um, seats and he's going to face the the bitter taste of defeat, will, will, they, will they come out and vote against him? I'm, I want to also hear what Shelby has to say about this, because we often see eye to eye. I think the Me Too movement is going to end up dividing women, or has already divided women as far as I'm concerned, because I am a woman, and I think that that whole movement is a sham. And I think after, because, and subsequent to the Kavanaugh hearings and the whole him too kind of lash our um, reaction to the Me Too movement and kind of ruining all of these men without any sort of rhyme or reason, without any due process, uh, I think the movement has hurt itself and that if you, you've divided women that might have otherwise <coughs> gone maybe a little bit more democratic in terms of the election. Shelby, what do you think? I completely agree. I think women, for the most part, are incredibly let me, let me fed just, up let me, by this. Let me stop you a minute. You know, when you listen to the other <laughs> networks... But you just need to stop. No, no, I'm, I'm going to say that. When you listen to the other networks, the it's as if you guys are in a whole, whole other time zone. The way you talk about women, mm -hmm. this is something we don't hear. If you watch the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the CBSs of the world, 
it almost contradicts what you're endeavoring to say. And I watch so many people, they put well, together the focus group. that's you're watching group. CNN, Armstrong. Yeah. I guess you can find whatever you want to support your position. I watch everything. I have to. Shelby. But if you're, I've, I've well, had what, a what conversation with, with my female friends, okay. and we're all over the place on this. And yeah. you have women that are angry and upset at the way uh, Ford was treated. You have people that are mad or upset with just the hashtag, the believe women. Because if you critically think, why would you do that? Then you have women that just know history and think, well, geez, as a minority woman, that movement has nothing to do with me. And this is something that a bunch of privileged white liberal women have taken over, which has usually ended up in disaster. So most women are completely divided on this. And I think most women generally are looking at feminism today and are completely appalled by what this means. And you're seeing more of it being pushed on people with what's happening with women's sports and Title IX and this big uproar with the HHS now wanting to, oh my gosh, define men and women based off whether you have an XY or an XX chromosome. <clears throat> and this is starting to cause a lot of problems because you can't just feel away and then expect a grant to be given to people. So women are actually feeling the consequences of all of this push of what feminism has actually done. And it's starting, women are, you know, monolithic creatures just and they're like all minorities about are. their husbands and their sons and our brothers and our sons and, and anyone is that nonsense. is that is accused and they're also concerned about the economy when we look at what's happened in this election it's going to come right back down to i have money in my pocket so i can think about bigger issues world view where do I want this country to go? Continue on the path it's on or go back to what we know Democrats want? Well, that's why I go back to vision on that point. Well, before yeah. you give me your vision, how do you, what do, can we learn from the absentee votes from overseas, the military that already voted? It's been overwhelming. It's been overwhelming. I mean overwhelming. Which party does that favor? Historically, if my facts uh, serve me correct, it has favored uh, Dem the Democratic Party historically when you see absentee ballots, except yeah. for with the military. Yeah. Uh, but what if you're talking seniors, if you're talking some of your uh, western states and some of your northern states, those are folks that are going to be highly, you know, more liberal, upper income, that may be traveling, that may not be in states, they're gone south, they're gone overseas and they're voting. So historically, absentee votes outside of the military have favored uh, the Democratic Party. Are you concerned about voter suppression? I'm not concerned about voter suppression. Is it a real issue? It, it may be in some instances, but that's not my concern. My concern more Why so is Why wouldn't you be concerned about front. somebody not having the right to vote? Well, I think that's every, a sacred. I think every U.S. legal citizen should yes. have the right to vote, and that leads me to my point of where my concern is. It's about uh, uh, illegal votes being cast in this election. You know, President Trump had a narrative. He said, I, I think there were two million illegal votes cast uh, for Hillary Clinton, and that was the difference in the popular vote. I think he just characterized what he said a little off. I think there were probably several million legal votes cast by people in the country illegally. And people would say, well, where do you get this from? What, what does that mean? I look at our motor voter laws. I look at individuals that are in the country illegally being given driver's license which is the gateway to all type of american freedoms including the right to vote because they are automatically registered to vote they're moving into these sanctuary cities and major cities california new york uh, uh Ill states uh, illinois and they're being given the right to vote and no one is really starting to look at that in a hard and fast way you have illegal people in the country casting legal votes because they're being registered to vote in these sanctuary cities. 
And when they move from these sanctuary cities with their legally issued driver's license and they move from a, a California to a North Carolina or, or New York uh, to, a, to another state, they don't have to show the same or become scrutinized uh, to uh, uh, to uh, obtain a, a driver's license in that state. They are automatically registered to vote once again in that state and issued a new driver's license. And I think that's what I'm more concerned about more than China uh, uh, going into our midterm elections or more than Russia interfering in our elections. I'm more concerned with people in our country illegally casting legal Vote. You know, we're before losing. we went out to break, you were going to add a wrinkle to the argument they were okay, making, and but, I didn't come back. But to I you. do want to respond to that. Okay. Then I want to get back to that. Okay. Goes back to vision election. If if I'm a, if I'm advising Republicans, we're losing the vision war on this. We're having an argument about voter suppression. If I'm advising Republicans, we should be having the discussion about voter aggression. We should be aggressively ensuring that every American who is legal should vote. That should be our talking points. That should, we should be focusing on. Let's get every American who is of voting age and that can legally vote, let's aggressively make sure that that person is voting. Because we don't want less Americans voting. We want more Americans voting. If Republicans believe in their policies and doggone it, have voter aggression, aggressively make sure that every voter in America should vote. Now you're winning that war versus us arguing about voter suppression. We're losing that, and that goes back to vision. Okay, All right. Hold, hold that point. <laughs> you know, I, we have been perfect tonight on time with the schedule because we got pros. We got all-star lineup here tonight. A star, a Shelby, an Elroy, an Aaron, and Devin. And we'll be back. Don't go back. Don't go away. We'll be back. The midterms brought to you by WGLA 24-7. I'm Armstrong Williams, your host. Thank you for joining us. What does the country look like? What does the country become after election day and the Democrats have won the House? Elroy. Wow, that's a great question. If Democrats win the House, you're going to have four CBC members in charge of Benny Thompson at Homeland Security, um, Maxine Water in charge of financial services, Elijah Cummings in charge of um, uh, House Oversight Committee, mm -hmm. and you have one other CBC member. The rest of the, uh, that leaves you nine committee chairs left. The other nine committee chairs from Ways and Means to Ag will either be controlled by uh, members of Congress from California or New York. Mm -hmm. So if the Democrats win control of the House, bless their hearts, they're going to have... How does that translate to the policy in a new season in America for the Trump White House? I, I think it's going to translate to Trump seeing it I, either, A, is he a real deal maker? And if he's a real deal maker, he'll be able to do like Bill Clinton did with the Republican-controlled Congress, and Bill Clinton got welfare reform done. We may or we may not like it. It's a very new environment. It's a very new environment. It doesn't matter. And if you're a leader, if you're a leader, if you're a leader, if you're the quarterback, you don't care about the fans. You're focusing on the team that's on the field. Okay. If Trump's who, a, de a who, deal maker, go do deals and get Aaron, stuff done. If the Democrats win, who's the Speaker of the House? I think they go back to Nancy Pelosi. I think they're going to go back to Nancy Pelosi, and if we have Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House uh, come 2019, they're going to do their best. She's already told you what she's going to do. Yeah. They're going to do their best to stop the Trump agenda. They're go you, all you're going to have now is a culture tech. of allegations, investigations, and accusations. That's right. And that's what they're going to use to charge and turn the corner right. into 2020. Allegations, investigations, accusations. And then he's going to tweet out and he's going to fight back and then we'll go into a physical war. We're already in a war. How, would it how will this <laughs> disrupt the president's well, agenda? I will say, though, <laughs> I do think one area where they could 
could possibly make some inroads would be on education. So what you were saying, so seriously, what you were saying about the, the CBC, you'll have um, just Bobby Scott, Bobby Scott, uh, yeah. Hampton Roads, who's actually very reasonable on a lot of his policies. I, I, I used to do a lot of work with CBC when he was minority he's on chair, and, workforce. and he supported some of the agenda on the Trump agenda because of his area, yes. which is building warships. There's the coal area. It's the war zone, basically, of all the Navy bases in the Hampton Beach, Virginia area. So I do see that there could be some inroads around Title IX because that's hurting actually minority <laughs> women and around apprenticeships. But he's worked very closely with Tea Party members and he's worked very closely with uh, yeah, liberal yeah. members. There, so there could one be. Area, there's one area, Armstrong be. Shelby, there, there's one area from a legislative standpoint that I think people can coalesce around and that is infrastructure. infrastructure. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that is going to be the only kind of legislation that will be able to carry both the House and the Senate in a bipartisan fashion because everyone knows that we, our country is in decay, it's crumbling, and it creates jobs. The question is, do they want to give President Trump a victory That's right. on turning the corner on infrastructure? And or prison reform might be another one. What happens to, what happens to the president if, he, if they still control the Senate, but he has to work with a Democratic-controlled House? What does the president become? I don't think that he will work with him. He wants his agenda and only his agenda. We see and hear his rhetoric all the time, even on the wall. He's finished with trying to work with Democrats. We saw it on immigration reform. We saw it on health care reform. He's ready to walk. And on education reform, we are. The education department right now is peeling back all of that Obama uh, change with civil rights division in there. There's no way that the Democrats are going to work with him to continue that particular agenda. So what will happen is we'll see all activity then in the Senate meaning more court appointments, everything that he can do through executive order, and it will be a very, very tough couple of years. But I do not believe that he's going to compromise his agenda and begin again to try to work with Democrats because he but, understands them and the fake news are against but him. Here's the Devin, question. let me go to Devin. Devin, what happens to civility and the fact that we need to get on a road where we find the best of in Americas instead of protesting like what we see, saw with Mitch McConnell and his wife over the weekend? What happens if the Democrats win the House? Can they help us move towards the, the season of civility again? Yeah, I think I think it could hurt the idea of civility because I think it'll empower the behavior that you're seeing from the Democratic supporters. And I think if they win, it's going to... It's it's gonna it justifies that behavior. Your behavior was successful. That mob rule, your violence against so and so, paid off because now you've won this part of the election. And so I think it's going to encourage that behavior and that pattern to continue, which I think is obviously absolutely unacceptable. Uh, so I, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, and hopefully, you know, pe you know people grow up and stop stop yeah. acting yeah. like. We're, we're like a mob rule country because we're not, and that would be a concern of mine. I think there are jobs. two. I think there Mobster are two models, jobs. and history is a great teacher. You can take the George Bush model and focus on education reform, like he did with Ted Kennedy. Like it or love it, that piece of legislation, it was done with a, a Northeast liberal and a Texas uh, conservative education reform. They brought both houses together, Democrats and Republicans, and they got a major piece of legislation done. Two, you can look at the Bill Clinton model. He worked with Newt Gingrich a conservative Georgia and a, and a, and a new centrist Democrat um, from, from Arkansas. They came together, they did welfare reform. Or, so that's one model of compromise, working together to work in the best interest of the people. I think a bad model is the Obama model 
where he said, I'm going to pass health care reform, a piece of legislation that deals with 6% of the United States, 6% of our economy, and pass it with all Democrats and not one Republican. The tax cut reform bill was a nice bill, but it was a bad model because we passed that without one Democrat. So if the Democrats take over, they're going to go tooth and tooth and nail and try to dismantle tax reform, just like Republicans did with health care reform. But if you go back to education reform after that was done, we didn't fight tooth and nail for two and three and four years trying to dismantle that. If you look at welfare reform, we didn't fight tooth and nail for the four years trying to dismantle that. But also the difference too, Elroy, Drew, they did have a stake in it, but we are going to maintain the numbers in the Senate. So they won't be able to take the bills from the House and move them through the Senate. And I don't think they're going to be able to get the kind of bipartisan support mm -hmm. that we saw during the Clinton era. Uh, that that but we is that, saw. But is that because you don't have the leadership? The courts. What happens if Trump gets an opportunity to nominate someone else to the Supreme Court? Yes. Well, I hope this time around he actually gives you the quote-unquote right-wing person, the radical. I, I, what I think so sad about the Kavanaugh hearings is that if anyone actually looked at his record and there was maybe about 20 people in the entire country who did so, he voted pretty centrist and with a lot of Obama nominees most of the time. There wasn't anything real radical about the guy, whereas if the Democrats think should have saved their Why power, would you want someone radical because on if, the court? Well, I, I said their term, right? So if you're going to be a Democrat and you're going to freak out over anybody that Trump puts up, it should not have been uh, Kavanaugh. He was very centrist in his rulings, whereas you could have put up somebody who was much more conservative and much more right-wing in their ideology. Um, unfortunately, they didn't do that. They took the centrist, let's nominate a Bush-era guy, and yet the, Republic, the Democrats freaked out. I hope this time, when he gets his chance to do it, he actually puts someone up a little bit more stringent on some of these rulings. I personally wasn't a big fan of Kavanaugh. thought he was very weak sometimes on First Amendment issues, somewhat weak on Fourth Amendment issues. Uh, it was not somebody that Republicans and Democrats should have gotten this upset about. One of the he wasn't that we, great of a judge. One of the things we have not talked about here, which could be another October surprise, is that Mueller could release, um, uh, a conclude, could conclude his investigation. And judging from the tea leaves of the Washington Post and the New York Times, they are indicating that the Democrats may be very disappointed in his findings. Okay. I think it comes back down to just, it is a national issue this year. This election, this midterm is national. It's mobs or jobs. And we saw the mob, which will rise up again. You're absolutely right. If this uh, investigation was nothing, uh, which Trump has been saying all along, we will start seeing that mob rise up and all of those folks with jobs saying that we don't want this to stop and we will have then a landslide. Instead of a blue wave, you'll see a record red wave. We, we're seeing something new in the Democratic Party. The radicals and the leftists are really controlling the debate well, and the agenda and they're That's winning. Not new from no, they've been doing this since eighteen sixty. But they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> but they're winning. Going back to the Klan. I don't know yes. that they're, exactly. they just don't have hoods this no, time I don't around. Think that you know. They're winning. They're, I, you know, they're I think we're to seeing win. something new in America. <laughs> and I think what we're seeing new is America, most Americans used to look at America as that eagle. What you have right now, and that eagle has two wings. You have the right wing of America only being concerned about concerned about the right wing. And you have the left wing in America only being concerned about the left wing. 
What happens now is nobody cares about the ego, the bird in the middle. Right. That's where we are. Well, in the because country. the bird doesn't exist anymore. If you look at all the data, America is so clear that they're left and right. Every poll, every place that you see Americans now, they're that little what we used to talk about as soon as ten years ago isn't there anymore. It's not a independent anymore. It's this or that, and that's why I say this is about worldview. What kind of America do we want? We're right. at that it's place a from the 1860s. We can't go on like this. We're talking about tolerance anymore. How do both parties come together <laughs> to help those many Americans that don't realize the American dream, that don't have that extra money in their wallet that car, that Star speaks about, are caught up in that look like look like what was a nuclear bomb dropped on Florida from the storms, from Hurricane Michael, of people still recovering the South. While we have all this crazy debate going on on a national level, people still feel, you talk about getting jobs and opportunities, I, I'm not I'm not seeing it. I just left North Carolina. No, there is energy to recover themselves. Something happens when the economy is booming. People feel free. Optimism. And now they, it's optimistic. I was just in Florida. I was just in Michigan. And this last couple of weeks, I've been in almost every one of these battleground states. And people are very excited. And to Aaron's point about what happens on airplanes or any other space with strangers, the minute you say, well, I'm for him, then everybody's for him. It, it, it's that first little, yeah, I kind of like what I'm doing, and that little nervousness to speak out that we like what's going on in our country for the first time in a very, very long time. And I'm just not sure that people are going to stop okay, that momentum. Okay, predictions. Start with you, the House, the Senate. I, my prediction is that the Republicans will hold the House of Representatives by somewhere between five to seven seats. And I predict that the uh, Republicans will gain uh, plus two in the United States Senate. Devin, your prediction? I think we'll keep this. I think we'll keep the Senate, uh, but the House, I think, is at risk. The House is at risk. You say no more. When you say at risk, I understand what, that, what you mean. Will Ruth Gator <laughs> Ginsburg um, eventually retire? Eventually, but I love that woman. She is holding on for God's, you know, dear life. I, she, she just, she just has my heart. Um, I think Trump's going to get another one in. Of course, I think she is going to go, but unfortunately, I think she'll probably die in office. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that woman would not walk away. She's going to wait until God takes her. What's going to happen to the illegals trying to get in this country, and how will that play into this election? Well, I'm just praying that. Trump and the other leaders gets that resolved before it even gets to this country because I think once you get the illegals to our borders you're talking about a powder keg situation and if, if that happens then Lord help us so what worries you about the president the two, two weeks out from the election what scares you what two weeks out from this particular question that, that he could me? say about the president He's unpredictable. No, no. I think that uh, what scares me about the president is that he will accomplish so much in the next two years that then he won't run for re-election, which I want him to run for so that we can do Social Security. Well, what a, what a, <laughs> what a, what an answer. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. That alone. You know what? Let me do this, okay? Devin, Aaron Manego, Elroy Saylor, Shelby Emmett, Star Parker. 24-7, um, Christian here, our, our floor director, Dante, Aideen, everybody who makes this possible. Thank you so much for joining us. But the most important thing that everybody will agree on tonight is that you've got to vote. You must vote. I don't care who you vote for. It doesn't matter to me. Vote. Voter aggression. I'm Armstrong Williams. Thank you for joining us for this edition of our election midterm special. <laughs>